Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Um, there's so much going on as it relates to Ukraine and Russia, and we're grateful to have Professor Matthew Schmidt from the University of New Haven uh, who joins us um, as much as... as <laughs> we, we, we want to talk to him all the time, but he's very busy, obviously, starting up with the new semester as well. Professor, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Um, Happy Monday. I don't know. Have you read? I, I just started reading the Wall Street Journal piece on like the last days of Progosian, but um, I want to get a few conspiracy things out of the way. There, there's no chance that they faked his death so he could go in exile somewhere, correct? Uh, you know, it's Russia. I wouldn't say no chance, but uh, it's highly unlikely, and I don't believe it. Okay, but, yeah. so he's dead, and and we all know how and why or what have you. You know, I, I guess I don't even know where to start with this, but I, my my first thing is it, it, it's so obvious that Putin would want to do this. How does Putin in the international community just keep getting away with killing people? I mean, he does he's poisoned people. I, I've read all these sort of like third. Um, leg stories of, you know, certain people, you know, jumping off of roofs of buildings. Like, I mean, he clearly gets rid of people all the time. He's a mafia boss, and, and Russia is a mafia state, and it has been for quite some time. He developed a system to do that, and he has loyal people who are capable enough uh, and willing to do it. You know, he's um, the thing I want to dispel is he's usually treated as some sort of like strategic genius. Like he plans these things out really well and they always work. He's some kind of bond villain. He's not, he's not nearly that good. Uh, he reacts uh, as opposed to responds uh, a lot of the time and just decides like he's going to do this out of revenge. Uh, you know, this may well be a case in point where, you know, it's been two months uh, since the attempted mutiny. Uh, and, and now we see it, you know, see it happening. So I want to. I just want to clear that up. But he functionally he gets away with it because he's more brutal than anybody else. He's basically willing to do it, and he has people who are the same way. No, but Prigozhin, what's he doing in Russia anyway? I mean, he he's got to know. Well, these are the these are the weird questions, right? So Prigozhin, first of all, you know, he was a weird cat, right? He he literally believed that he was invincible, um, that that he could not die. Uh, anymore. And, you know, before people laugh at that, you have to think, you know, General Patton in World War II uh, also believed he was a reincarnated and, and, uh, and yeah, I forget who he thought. I think he was Alexander the Great or something, reincarnated or someone else. I can't remember now. Um, so, you know, so these things aren't as, aren't as out of the norm as we might think, and we have to be careful to be arrogant Westerners about it. Um, but, you know, that's just a lot of it, right? If, yeah. if he thought he could, he could do that, 
remember, Prigozhin has known Putin since uh, since the 1980s, right? They were kids in St. Petersburg. And, you know, it's one of these things where you grow up and you're like, hey, this is my buddy, right? What's he really going to do? And finally, the buddy does it. Um, so I think there's just a lot of psychological reasons why Prigozhin continues to keep doing this, on, uh, you know, in addition to the fact that he's loaded with money and has a lot of uh, people around him that he thought would protect him. Yeah. But, you know, Putin, Putin took him out and all those people on a plane in one shot. Yeah, it's I, the fact that they all were on the plane seems stupid to me, but and in yep. Russia, so I don't really know the details. That's why I question a lot of this stuff. And it's amazing that, you know, Prigozhin literally get, got paid in gold bars, diamonds, and lumber. You know what I mean? Like he, and he, there's only so many airports he can land in. So when he travels, he has to be calculated because there's, he, he can't land his plane in a bunch of countries because of what he does. And I just started the piece, so I, I, I can't wait to read the rest of it. But we're talking with Professor Matthew Schmidt from the University of New Haven. And, um, you know, I'm also all the follows that you recommend on, on X or Twitter, I, I do follow. And there seems to be, I don't know, there was one theory put forth that, you know, there's going to be so much talk about this conflict going on forever. But if 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 the dam breaks in Ukraine's favor, it could end really quickly in the sense that the troops on the ground might just be like, the heck with this. I mean, where are we right now? So right now, as of as of this very moment or last night, uh, you have reports from the Russian on-scene and from the Ukrainian on-scene commander that Ukrainian troops have, uh, in his mind, clearly breached the first line of defenses, of those, those trench lines and minefields that have been giving Ukrainians such trouble all, all summer. Uh, and he believed that he was approaching the second line of defenses and that they would be through them uh, in a few days. That's huge, uh, if that's the case, uh, because that means they have a straight shot now down to the Sea of Azov and to and to cut Russian forces uh, into two groups, into the southern group, sort of around Kherson and the, and the southwest, and the northern group kind of centered around Kharkiv in the north, if you remember those those places from, you know, from earlier in the war here. Uh, However, there are also reports now that the Russians are rushing, um, are rushing mobilized troops, reserves into the north and are now going on the offensive uh, around Kharkiv. And there are verified reports that they used cruise missiles uh, over the evening and attacked uh, a, a spot, Poltava, in between Dnipro, which is a big city, uh, kind of on the, on the Dnipro, Dnipro River and Kharkiv. So somewhere in the middle, sort of like confirming that there's a Russian offensive heading in that direction. So um, it's early. We don't know what's going on exactly, but it kind of looks like the Russians might be moving troops in on the north to try to halt the Ukrainian advance in the south by getting them to uh, have to, to uh, move move forces. Well, you know, there's the, the other thing I read was that with the Wagner group out, that Russia might just throw a ton of soldiers at this now, and maybe that's part of what you're talking about. Yeah, I think that's, that's entirely possible. I'm skeptical uh, you know, along with Mike Kaufman, I think, of the, the people you're talking about on, on X, uh, formerly Twitter, um, uh, that the Russians are going to fold that quickly. They're bad. Uh, the morale is bad. But in the end, they have people behind them willing to shoot them if they turn around. And they're only playing defense. Uh, so that's a lot easier than offense. So I don't, I don't think the fight, I don't think the Ukrainians are going to get that lucky. Mm. Um, and I don't think they expect to get that lucky. Um, but they could have some breakthrough success here, and if they do, the problem is where they go next. Yeah. So I mean, I and again, I see the images of I. I just I don't, <laughs> I don't know how you 
wage modern warfare on the ground like this and I it lasts this long. I just I don't really understand it and it just seems like this they're running out of stuff to blow up. Well it's like it's like steampunk. Right? It's it's like watching Star Wars and going, Okay, they've mastered hyperspace drive, but they still have to shoot people in you know, in ball turret gunner right. things from World War Two. Right. Uh, you know, with like with optical sights. Um and so that's kind of the way this works here, right? They have some, they have um, a hodgepodge of high-tech vehicles. They're, they're in many cases, they're only figuring out how to use or only have the, the, the uh, you know, the ammo to use 75% of that capability. Um, and the problem that the Ukrainians have is that they can't fight at the division level. They're still fighting fundamentally a small unit war over and over and over again, instead of coming in in these, these levels of, of 10, 20, 30, 40,000 troops that are working in concert with each other and working in combined arms. Mm. Um, that's what's going on. And the Russians are the same way. Um, so this is a slugfest on the ground, and it's better to think of it as World War I with drones. Hmm. Wow. What are you teaching this fall? Nothing. I'm on sabbatical. Nice. Are you going to travel? Uh, no, I don't right? think so right now. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm working on a, a book right now that the tentative title is <laughs> The Future is Bleak but Beautiful. Um, you know, kind of throwing a net out there talking about impacts of Ukraine and, and China and, uh, and and getting some of those ideas out in the world. Oh, great. Well, you know, uh, we have to get together, obviously. I, I look forward to that, and hopefully with um, a little more time on your hands, maybe we can do that. Uh, we appreciate it, as always, Professor. Uh, have a great day, and uh, and we'll catch up soon. Absolutely. Talk soon, Brian. Bye. Uh, Professor Matthew Schmidt from the University of New Haven. Uh, he, he's just so good. I mean, honestly. Um, and I can't I can't wait to read the book. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.